With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Reality radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Too much new stuff. I'm really tired of all this new stuff that Wall Street comes up with, that financial firms come up with. Everybody's trying to differentiate themselves from everybody else and trying to make a lot of money coming up with something totally new. Well, is there really something new out there? As you know, we believe in academic research. We believe in the science of investing. But, but, science has to be taken with a grain of proverbial salt. You have to apply some sort of logic and reason to this process. And while I don't know that I'm the one who's capable of doing it, I'm going to at least try and help you determine what kind of science you should believe. Now, there is um, there's a lot of good information going back decades on some of these well, they're called factors of invent of investing, dimensions of investing. That's why the dimensional fund family exists, based on a lot of this research that found a few things, a few things. They researched a lot of things and found a couple of things. One, value stocks have tended to outperform growth stocks over long periods of time. Small company stocks have tended to outperform large company stocks over a period of time. They don't always do it. It's not always successful, but over a decade or more, those have been some pretty consistent observations. Observations in in the real world. Now, lately, there have been a number of academics who have come out in favor of, have come out with studies showing that all kinds of alternative investing strategies provide an opportunity to reduce your volatility, an opportunity to find assets that don't correlate exactly with stocks or bonds or whatever it might be. And one of those companies that uh, was founded based on some of this academic research is a company called AQR. And they have created some new funds, really new, based on some relatively new science that I don't know has um, has enough real-world aging to make it viable. I've not been a fan since the beginning. And I've, I've, I've heard the pitches from a lot of these people uh, about their strategies, and I'm still not convinced because you haven't seen the performance in the real world with real people doing it. It's always these limited samples. Good example is a fund from AQR called the Alternative Risk Premia Fund. The symbol is QRPIX. And they say, quote, 
The fund aims to deliver attractive risk-adjusted returns with low correlation to traditional stock bond portfolios by investing in a broad and diversified range of alternative risk premia while accounting for potential tax implication of investment decisions. And they go on to say they invest in long and short across different asset groups, stocks, equity indexes, uh, equity indices, fixed income and currencies. And they've created this fund. Now, the fund's been around for three years. And it's supposed to not move in lockstep with stocks. And they have, on that point, they have succeeded. It has not. As a matter of fact, over three years, the QRPIX, the AQR Alternative Risk Fund, has returned a negative, a negative 11% per year. Yeah, over three years. Hmm. Now, it has succeeded in one thing, and that is reducing volatility. When you look at the standard deviation of this AQR alternative risk fund, you'll see that uh, while stocks come in in the mid to high teens generally, maybe even in the low 20s, the standard deviation for the AQR fund is 5.6 over those three years. But there's one other big issue that always feeds into the equation, and that's the cost. What does it cost to invest in these alternative vehicles? What does it cost to short stocks and buy some of these, uh, these, these unique investment vehicles that they claim will work someday? Their expenses, get this, 3.58% annually. 3.58. They have had... They have had not a single positive period. The, uh, the 2018 return was negative 7.51. The 2019 return was negative 2.97. And the year-to-date return, negative 21.35. Now, there's another way to reduce volatility that has decades of real-world research into it, and that's fixed income. Not to buy it for the return, but to buy it for the lower volatility. And let's just use a fund that we suggest on the show because it's an easy way to get the entire bond market. It's called the Vanguard Total Bond Market Index Fund, VBTLX. Now, this fund has an expense ratio. Remember the, the AQR 3.58. Got it? This one is 0. 0.050. Yeah, it's a lot lower. A lot lower. And uh, what's been its volatility? Well, it's a lot lower, 3.49. So it does offset the volatility of the stock market better, or it has. And how, how about its performance? How has this fund done? Over that same three-year period, it's returned four, or f I'm sorry, 5.27% positive return over that period. 
it did go down slightly in 2018, negative 0.03%. But it's been positive the, the rest of the time while reducing the volatility of a portfolio in which it resides with stocks. So why do you want these alternative funds? I think we, we want them because they sound cool. They sound special. And I think investment advice firms use them, and funds like ours that have a similar philosophy to ours use them. I mean, firms we actually respect use them because they've been convinced that I believe they've been convinced that this is a differentiator, that this sets them apart from the riffraff who just use regular old mutual funds or ETFs in the, the old-fashioned stock bond value growth small large u.s international portfolio construction yet which one of these has a track record of success it's not alternatives it really isn't they haven't been successful they weren't successful when they were private in hedge funds stock indexes still beat them maybe with more volatility but what are you trying to do? You're trying to reduce your risk? Or are you trying to make money? Well, if reducing your risk means losing money over three years straight, I don't think that's what you want. And bear in mind, history shows that stocks have tended to rise three years for every one year, they've gone down. So if you're betting on the down years, well, that's a fool's bet. It's much more likely that equities, the global economy, which is what they represent, will go up than go down, just based on the past. It's much more likely. And just for fun, let's let's just do one other comparison, because we did the, the, the alternative fund and the bond fund, and let's look at a stock fund. Let's look at the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund. Uh, now you already know that over three years it's gone up, but how much? What's its average annual return? Remember, the, the alternative fund was, an, it was a negative 11. The bond fund was a positive 5. What about the stock fund over the past three years, that exact same period? All this is from Morningstar. 9.57% per year. So you could have had the stock fund and the bond fund and reduced your volatility with the two of them. Oh, and let's look at the volatility, too, of the Vanguard total stock fund, 18.65. That's what I said, high teens. Um, so with the combination of the Vanguard and the the Vanguard stock and the bond fund, you could have ended up with a standard deviation between the two at a 50-50 split of you know, in the, the low teens. I just don't see why we need these complex, expensive, alternative investment vehicles. I think they're there just to make both the company providing them and the investors investing in them feel more special. And do you want to feel more special, or do you want a better portfolio? I think that's what it comes down to.
855-935-TALK. That's the phone number here, 855-935-8255. You can call that number 24 hours a day. You're trying to figure out whether you've built the right portfolio, if you're being sold something you're not sure you want to get into, or you think you want to get into it, but you want another opinion or you're confused about any part of your financial life, call Leave the Question at 855-935-TALK or go online to TalkingRealMoney.com and then just click on the contact button and send your question in that way, like this. Here's one. I have a question about TSP allocation. I put money into the TSP, that is the Thrift Savings Program for U.S. government employees, for decades until my recent retirement. For many years, I balanced my TSP portfolio at an 80% C, 20% G split. The C fund is the S&P 500. The G fund is a government bond fund. I admit that I freaked out during the 2008 financial crisis and yanked all my money into the G fund, where I kept it for three years. I then rebalanced into my usual 80-20 split until panicking again in late 2016 and yanked all my funds into the G fund again for another year. <sighs> Comment in a minute. I think I learned my lesson and have since kept my funds in an 80-20 split until my retirement last year when I rebalanced to 50% G, 50% C. I never ventured into the F, S, and I funds. The F, S, and I funds. Because they seemed too volatile. I understand that the C fund is volatile too, but I was able to stomach the domestic large cap C volatility as I believed I understood it better than the other funds. I plan to rebalance again in January and am wondering if I should reconsider my allocation. Thanks to being relatively steady in my allocations, my balance is over $1 million. Woo! Imagine how much more it would have been. And stayed that way even during the March 2020 downturn. Background, I am fully retired and living adequately from my pension. I will reach minimum distribution age in five years. Until then, I want to protect my existing assets and allow for, and allow for modest growth. I understand that investing in the safe G fund will result in overall negative returns once I factor in inflation. That means I need to invest in other funds and stomach the volatility. I took your risk quiz and scored a 64. What TSP allocation do you recommend for both asset protection and modest growth during a period of high volatility? 64 is actually a pretty good risk score. So either you're truly letting your emotions get the better of you, or you're a little lower than that. Uh, you did, you're normal. You're normal. You did what people do. They claim they're not going to do it, and yet they do it. When it feels bad, we panic. The problem is it doesn't feel bad before things get bad. It feels bad after they've been bad. So you're getting out too late and then you get back in too late because you're waiting to see if the, 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 the recovery is real. You did it. And then you did it again. Thankfully, you didn't do it a third time in 2020, and a lot of people did. So that's encouraging. However, if you want to reduce your volatility, you're making a big mistake. You're doing another thing that people do. We have these behavioral biases. 
You say, I believe I understand the C fund, the S&P 500 fund, better. The reason you believe you understand it better is because it's in American stocks. That's why. And it's in the ones you know, the big companies, not the little companies. I don't know those. But the fact of the matter is that the, the S fund, the small companies, and the I fund, the international companies, do well at times. And they're not always exactly the same time as the C fund, which means that overall, when you look at it as an entire portfolio, your volatility is reduced. You say you want to reduce volatility, but you're doing something that's contrary to that want, to that need. So what I would suggest, go to 401411.com. We have several allocations there that we've suggested, a 40-60, a 60-40, and an 80-20. I would suggest, if you want to keep close to that 50-50 that you have right now between the G and the C, is that you go about 40 into the G and the 60 split evenly between the C, the S, and the I. It seems riskier, but historically, it's actually been less volatile. Or maybe if you want to reduce that risk even more, though, go with the 40-60 and split it up equally between the, the 40, between the C, S, and the I, and then 60% in the bonds. But you need to have, you're right, you know you need to have some growth in there. And you're likely to have less volatility the more you diversify, not the less you diversify. And then steel yourself against behaving the way you have in the past. Know that bad stuff happens. But also know that you're not going to know the bad stuff before it happens. You're only going to be guessing. Once it happens, once it affects the stock market, it's too late. You just have to stay and rebalance. Thanks so much for the note. I really appreciate it. Again, you can send a note and you can leave a voice message there, or you can just call us the old-fashioned way at 855-935-TALK, like this. Hi, uh, I just got into your radio show and I just thought it was really fascinating with the advice that you're given. Um, I'm 47 right now and planning to retire at the age of 50. Uh, one of those early retirement, and I am not going to be living in the U.S., but will be spending about an average about forty thousand dollars a year um, and for the rest of my life, uh, which is going to be more than comfortable um, where I'm going to be living at. So the question would be: I do have some investments it with Fidelity right now, um, and uh, will have an additional seven hundred thousand that I'd like to put into some mutual or index fund. Um, currently, I do have a couple of uh, mutual funds that I'm part of. Uh, I'm in right now with Fidelity. Uh, one of them is FNCMX. The other one is FSCSX, uh, which has been performing really well. But um, And that's only about $150,000. But uh, I'm looking at putting in our uh, $200,000 uh, from Vanguard will be transferring into a rollover IRA in Fidelity eventually, but I just want to find out more about where I should roll over to and what to do with the 700000 that I'm going to be uh, putting into. Thank you. Well, thank you for finding the show. Thanks for listening. The good news is it's the Internet. You can listen to us anywhere in the world, so no matter where you live, you'll be in good stead. Uh, Fidelity funds, huh? 
Well, we have three that we really like and that we believe will provide you with the kind of diversification that you need to have a, a global, well-balanced, reasonable volatility portfolio. And what you want to do is use these three funds in some sort of a mix, depending on your risk tolerance. Go to TalkingRealMoney.com and click on the risk quiz. Take the risk quiz there. Find out what your risk tolerance is. And then on the site, click on that woman with the, the earbuds in her ears, the older woman, white-haired woman listening. There you will find three funds that we suggest from Fidelity, from Vanguard, and from Schwab. And what we suggest from Fidelity are the Fidelity Total Market Index, which is the total U.S. market at a really low price. And that's FSKAX. The Total International Index, which is FTIHX. And then for volatility reduction, the Fidelity Total Bond Index, FXNAX. Those are very inexpensive, massively diversified. You just mix those three together and uh, rebalance regularly and don't panic. And you should be in very good stead. Again, our number, 855-935-TALK, 855-935-8255, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Or you can send questions in at TalkingRealMoney.com. If your issue is incredibly complex. For example, you've got one of these gigantic, as I call them, hodgepodge portfolios. I got a bunch of stocks over there and I got these different mutual funds all sold to me at different times for different reasons. And I don't know what they are and I don't know how they relate to one another. And I don't know what I paid for them. and I don't know how, how they correlate to one another. And it's all a big hodgepodgey mess. Well, um, set up an appointment with one of our advisors. We'll look at it. We'll help you figure out how to better allocate it. We'll do it for free. We'll do it with no obligation, and that is a promise. And we won't beat you up with a sales pitch. That's another promise. We don't do that. We haven't done that since the beginning. We're not going to do that. Okay? So just go to talking. Well, don't, don't go to our, our investment website. Go to our, our RIA website, which is vestory.com, V-E-S-T-O-R-Y.com. And the easiest thing to do is just set up an appointment. There's an appointment setter right on the front page. You pick a date, you pick a time, we set up an appointment. Bing! They contact you either by phone or by Zoom, and we'll try and help you get through it for free. So do that or give us a call anytime at 855-935-TALK. Please tell friends to listen. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast service, particularly Apple Podcasts. And thanks so much for listening. I'm Don McDonald. Talking Real Money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for educational and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately, consistently predict the future. So past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Vestry, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening, and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosure.
Ah, I should keep the lawyers happy.